What's going on, guys? This is Rob Doster here. I want to let you know about our sponsors, Anchor by Spotify. If you haven't heard about them yet, it is the easiest way for you to make a podcast. I know because all of our 28 podcasts on the field of 68 and the field of 12 use Anchor by Spotify. It has the tools that will allow you to record and edit your pods right from your phone or your computer. You can distribute anywhere. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, all those places that allow you to listen to podcasts for absolutely free. Anchor sends those pods directly to the feeds. And here's the best part about it. Anchor is totally free. So make sure you download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm if you want to get started on your own podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Doster, T.O. and Fanta podcast. We are back with our regularly scheduled episodes after a couple of lead previews. The three of us have been bouncing around to media days all across the country. And before we kind of get into anything about the AP polls and the Kempom uh, top 25 being dropped, let's talk a little bit about that because Fanta, I don't know if you know this, but T.O. got the full media day experience at his trip to eight to, to ACC media day. So Tia, why don't you talk about that a little bit? How, how much fun did you have at ACC? What a diff, what a different experience than I've ever seen in my life. Fanta, I couldn't believe it. We got there and for the first five questions, Mike Bray's up there. He's got Prentice hub. Who's a potential all American. He's a huge performer. Nate Lejewski, who's been fan, who's, who's like improved so much every year. We didn't even have a freaking basketball question for the first five questions. Finally, <laughs> I raised my hand. I've never even been up. I've never even been in the place. I was like, hey, you got an All-American beside you. Can you just talk about him, please? And I know that's like a, uh, a media faux pas to be like, hey, talk about this. But I was begging for anything basketball. So that was that was new for me. Sure. That was new for me. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. That's no. media day. You just never know who you're going to see. And I got to tell you guys, after not seeing a lot of people for two years – more than anything, it's just refreshing. It is super refreshing to see people in person again. We were at Madison Square Garden on Tuesday. Rob Doster was gracious enough to stop by our Big East Media Day live special. Uh, thank you for stopping by, Rob. We'll get to that in a moment. But my goodness, the storytelling. Uh, we talked a lot of basketball on, on my set, and I think that uh, in the Big East Conference, it's it's going to be a, a fascinating year with, how about this, guys, 30 players, 30 players who are in a post-grad year that are playing wow. in this conference this season. That is pretty ridiculous. You've got some guys who could sign up for some nuptials or, uh, you know, start thinking about uh, what, what they're going to do really as an adult. You've got some teams that have a 17-year-old and others that have a 24-year-old. But I'll, I'll give you my my last 48 hours. The night before media day, the benefit of being in, in New York City is you can have a great meal. So a group of us uh, every year go to the old Homestead Steakhouse in New York City. You will find the best cow that you will ever get in NYC at that place. A great steak, red meat. The thing is, I, I prefer my meat still mooing. Have a great cut, a great sirloin. That's that's what you go to bed with. When you when you have that sirloin sticking in you and you're going to bed in New York City, you feel like you could be in a Broadway show. Then you wake up the next morning, you go right across the street to Madison Square Garden and chopping it up with Jay Wright, Patrick Ewing, whoever, throughout the morning. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, and then uh, and then I ended up at a Seton Hall fundraising dinner uh, last night that I emceed for them, uh, their tip-off dinner. 
And let's just say, uh, well, when you combine Italians and Irishmen in New Jersey, <laughs> you could have a very long night. And this happened to be the longest Tuesday night that uh, I've ever lived in, in my entire life because Guinness was mixed with scotch. And we'll just leave it at that. that that's why Fanta is, uh, is, is on his third cup of coffee already today. So. We should have started with that. Yeah, <laughs> that was so much nicer than my experience. He gets there's a lot of friends. Everybody's going to dinner, all that. I'm waking up at four thirty, like trying to get over there in time. And then we don't even talk about basketball, so I'm disappointed. <laughs> and then they have these breakout rooms, and then I go to the breakout rooms, and it was one of the craziest things I've ever seen. Like yours was so much nicer, Fanta, because like we would have Josh Passner sitting directly across from Tony Bennett or Hubert Davis or whoever. And Passner won the ACC last season. He won the ACC tournament last season. He had a really good team. They returned almost everybody. But nobody talked to him. I sat and had a 10-minute conversation with Josh Passner. The lack of respect for this man was unbelievable. And, and I think like him, Chris Mack, Steve Forbes, like there are some really high-level basketball coaches in the Atlantic Coast Conference. You know, briefly here, off that point, if you're a if you're a media member like one of us three, seriously, mm. I, I mean this down. Like, I want to talk to those guys. I talked to Steve Forbes like the second two weeks into his job for our network for Field of Sixty Eight to get him on and talk with him. And um, like, guys, you, I don't understand when media members don't say a, a single word because here's the thing: in the event that that like it's good to create that relationship when that program gets going like a Josh Pastor and Georgia Tech end up winning the whole thing it's going to be a whole hell of a lot easier to be on their radar when they're doing media when they're doing those things exactly right exactly right and they weren't even like Nate Lejewski who who averaged like 15 and 8 like had a great year last year and Notre Dame's picked to be really good nobody went even to talk to him and it's like Guys, are we doing our homework before we're walking in, or is this just some of the like run of the mill? Like, I need to get a soundbite so I can go home. Like, to me, I think our appreciation for what it actually is is different than what other people are coming in there to do. And and I was disappointed in that. The lack of respect for like Chris Mack, who I know he's had his troubles and all this stuff that's going on, but that guy can coach. So like, the dynamic and what's their new players are going to be. I'm genuinely interested to see how it's going to go. Mm-hmm. and it's just it w- it was a really weird thing so that's one thing uh, can, I just, can i just add one more point to what fanta said right there if yeah. you if you look at the this is i know a lot of young journalists and people that are kind of in this industry listen to it and if you look at the if you go to one of these things and you watch someone like a jeff goodman or you watch someone like a john rothstein or someone like an andy katz or someone like a dana o'neill people that have been doing this forever they talk to every single person in that room because they know every single person in that room because they established those relationships before those people were in that position, right? That's how, if, if you'll talk to someone when they are a GA, when you'll, if you'll talk to someone when they are like the third assistant on like a mid-major D1 staff, as that person grows, that relationship is still going to be there because you're not just chasing the clout of being able to say, hey, look, I asked Jay Wright a question at Media Day and I got a canned answer because you were able to say, I talked to Jay Wright at Media Day. The best people in this business know everyone from the ground up and it's a, like it's it's genuine too. It's not something where it's like a transactional relationship you're trying to get information. That to me, that was something that I had to learn. Um, it, it's just that that's how you get to know people. That's how all of this stuff in media, it's relationships and that and, and developing relationships is networking. It's all that standard kind of stuff. So I just... That was a good point you made, Fanna. And, and you know what else? 
you have to have a realization about where you are and who you are and what your place is, what your place is. Um, like Jay Wright's talking to a Dana O'Neill and a, and a John Rothstein or whoever the national person might be that's talking with Jay in their little three or four person pool, Jeff Borzello, our friend as well. You know, like I saw some other folks uh, that, that aren't on, that aren't in that national realm trying to go up and, and butt in or get their way in. Like there's a reason why Jay is holding that court with those two or three people in that moment for you. You're they say dress for the job you want in a media day setting or in a setting like that, prepare for the job that could be and for the job that could be for the person you're talking to value Mm -hmm. everything. That Dobo could be a great head coach someday. That assistant coach could be a – but don't even do it for that. Do it for the human element of it because you know what? You never know when either side may come back to each other. And because you're a good person, it matters. Look, I've got relationships with coaches. I've had to criticize coaches before. Uh, and, and you know what? You could still break bread with that coach because they know you're doing your job and they're doing theirs. And if you do it fairly and they do their job the way they're supposed to do it, it is what it is. Establishing those parameters, establishing relationships, but more than anything, like having an awareness of where you are and trying to be the best that you can be in that position. If you continually do that and you're a, you got to be a better human than you even are a reporter. You could be a great reporter, but if you're an asshole, you'll end up losing. Yep. And and to your point, T.O., I, I think what you did, you know, for people that don't know kind of your your backstory, you were you played at Clemson. Obviously, you see that jersey behind you. Um, you played professional basketball for a while and now you're trying to kind of work your way up the, the media right. ladder, like we all are. And being able to sit down with someone like a pastor or a Mac and just kind of let them know, hey, uh, I'm here because I'm going to be working for ACC Network and I'm going to be working for Field of 68 and I'm going to be a basketball analyst talking about you. I'm doing this now. Here I am in this setting. Like that is there's value in that. And, and I think that the people that are kind of coming up in this industry, um, I look, I didn't need to go to Big East Media Day. You want to know why I went to Big East Media Day? I went so I can go and say hello to all of those coaches that I haven't seen in, in 20 months. So I can say hello mm-hmm. to all these media people, to the people that run stuff at the Big East, to the person that is going to be um, giving out credentials at Madison Square Garden for the Big East tournament. And I'm there to let him know, like, hey, look, I'm still, I may not have NBC Sports after my name. I may, may not be working for Asian Media, but I'm still here. I'm still in the mix. So there's some. You come some- on the show? You came, you came over to the garden to come on the show. Well, I, I thought I did, and then I got bumped for John Rothstein. Then I got bumped for, <laughs> I got bumped hey, for everybody. Hey, Fanta said it earlier. Fanta said it like two minutes ago. Know your place. <laughs> know, know your place now. Yeah. Know, know your, your place. place. <laughs> you, know what, you know what I would have loved doing yesterday? God, I'm so, I really wish Goodman were there, so I could have just bumped Goodman like eight minutes. <laughs> <laughs> just like to watch him like stand like with his phone and like like – now I'm I'm the captain now. What the, what the fuck? I'm so, I'm oh to yeah, fuck. right. This is bullshit. All that stuff. Fantasy. You came fun. on though. Hey, hey, you came on though. We have a lot of UConn listeners. How much fun did you have with UConn? Hey man, it was a blast. Look, I'll tell you this much, Fanta. If you put if you put two of us the, the two of us on camera and give us a microphone, we're we're always gonna at least have fun. You may not be informed by anything. You may not learn. Oh, anything. story, Rob. Rob, yeah. tell the practice story. This is epic. Oh, oh yeah. To you I don't even know if you've heard this one yet. So um, Dan Hurley came in. It was like before practice. He said it was like uh, a month ago, I think. Tyree, we had Tyrese Martin and talking to him. 
And he said that um, it was like raining out that day and Dan Hurley came into practice and his shoes were wet and he was getting the floor all wet. Um, and so what he did was he took off his shoes and he spent the entire practice coaching in socks because he didn't want to get the floor wet for a, a player safety thing, which I think that just kind of sums up uh, Dan Hurley as a coach pretty perfectly right there. It's because the floor is too slippery with wet shoes on. He's going to coach in socks. How does that, how does that make any sense? It's going to be more slippery. I, I, look, I can run, put on socks, run across my hardwood floors and slide 20 feet. How does that make more sense to put on socks when you're coaching? On the floor? I, have no idea. I think it was, it was, it was unsafe for him, but it seemed like it was really safe for his guys. Hey, so I'm with early on hey, that. One. At least he kept his shirt on. Yeah, that's a good point. That's true. Good point. Can't right. say that about all these head coaches, but good uh, point. No, you can't. You, you can't. But, but right. I will, a couple other things before we move on, but like another couple of things. Uh, Coach K is over the media. He's over it. Like 100%. He's ready. Like if there's one thing, I thought it was a good point. Like they wrote, he, he, he made a comment with Spatola. It was like, it reminds me a little bit of the Olympic team because I don't have to dip out as soon as practice over to go see another play player so I thought that was really neat because he's kind of getting back to the essence of what coaching is to him Mm -hmm. and what it used to be before you had to fly out and recruit before you had to deal with one and dones for all that stuff he actually gets to coach his guys I thought that was cool and then uh Jim Beheim could give a shit less about your questions (laughs) which I asked him a couple of questions and I actually got him to engage because I was curious how Benny Williams is with all these older guys and I actually got a little bit out of him but like (laughs) He whispered in the microphone. So like it was, I was like, I didn't know if he was doing it to like, to kind of be like, I really don't want to be here. So hopefully if like I keep my volume down, they'll stop asking me questions and I can get out of here, which might've been the case. Cause I don't think he like his enthusiasm wasn't there, but uh, the NIL stuff was funny too, because his son, buddy has, he said, well, my biggest one's been an apple orchard that I used to go to. <laughs> Back when I was little, I was like, man, there's a lot of missed opportunities for my man, buddy. Like we got to get, we got to get him some more opportunities. He said, it was like, uh, some kind of, I I can't even, it was some local place. I think they gave him a bucket of apples. If he did a commercial, I was like, I I feel like you're not, uh, taking advantage of the market. All right. So before we kind of move on, it's like a top 25 conversation. I do just want to ask you guys basketball questions from media day. T.O., was there anything that you took away and you were like, oh, wow, coach said this, and that was something that surprised you? Um, while you guys think of it, I'll start with one. Uh, and it's Adama Sanogo and what he's going to be at the five this year for UConn. Uh, Tyrese Martin, he told us, Fanta, write it in pen. He will be a first-team All-Bees player at the end of the season. Uh, Dan Hurley kind of said the same thing, um, that he expects him to be really, really good. So that was my one takeaway. Normally the best way to figure out who's going to be really good on a team is to kind of have some of those conversations with the players themselves. Like who's kicking everybody's ass when they're playing pickup in the off season, that kind of thing, right? The, the guys on the team know. So that was my takeaway was Tyrese Martin was like, yeah, Adama is going to be a monster this year. So that's, that's maybe, you know, we talk about who, who's going to be the go-to guy for UConn this year. That might be something that has, has answered it. Tio, what, what did you take away from, ACC media day. Any any hot takes that you got? I, well, the, the hot take I got mostly came down in the lunchroom, and that was uh, I, Forbes really likes his team at Wake Forest. And, I mean, he's a confident individual anyway, but the buzz surrounding Jake LaRavia, the Indiana State transfer, is starting to become a little bit louder and a little bit louder. And keep in mind, too, Wake Forest is old. 
and they have players that are really good. They got Dallas Walton from Colorado, LaRavia, Davion Williamson has been really good. And then Carter Witt, who basically took uh, the, the, you want to talk about getting experience in a hurry, take your last test in high school and right before Christmas and then play against Virginia on January 2nd or whatever. You want to talk about like, Hey man, welcome to college. Uh, he had that experience and, and he looks at this like his first year because I mean, COVID that might've been the, the, I mean, it's hard to really count that as an official first season and uh, you know, nothing uh, <laughs> stamped, stamped it off. Like in his introductory you know, video or press conference, he takes his mask off and spikes it at, at half court, which just fired me all the way up. And then uh, Josh Passner talking about, you know, the center position is going to be done by committee and a lot of his best teams the center has been good or that guy in that Princeton elbow offense has been really good for them. And he said, you know, he's still trying to figure out those ins and outs, but he said their level of speed uh, with Davon Smith transferring from Mississippi state, he's still got to figure it out, but that level of speed that he's going to bring to the team is going to be really unique. What do you got fancy? Anything? Yeah. I have three big things. Number one is great. I asked for one. You got three. Three big things. I'll go brief here because we're moving and shaking. Um, Creighton is preseason eight in the Big East. And this program has won 20 or more games in 21 of the last 23 seasons. And Greg McDermott does not sound like a coach who has all these freshmen. Like, they lost a lot, but they got two guys who were just playing internationally all summer. Arthur Kaluma, a forward who I think could be really good for this Blue Jays team. And then Ryan Nemhart is their next Marcus Zagorowski, Maurice Watson type of point guard. Like Ryan Nemhart's going to be a good player right away. I think he's going to win Big East freshman of the year. Like I, I actually think that this kid, Ryan Nemhart, um, you know, brother of Andrew, is somebody who who I think they have real high hopes for. And uh, they brought in a Division II transfer who's a three-time national champion. Mm-hmm. His name is Ryan Hawkins. And I think people are not talking at all about this kid. Greg McDermott was raving about this kid Hawkins saying, I think he's an exceptional player. Just one of those guys that got lost in the shuffle at the D one level. So will Creighton finish eighth? I don't know. I think they might finish higher than that. I mean, I I know they have a lot of new pieces, but Mac is such a good offensive coach. Perhaps that helps with, with newcomers just being able to play in that system. Can I say one thing about Creighton real quick? This is that blew my mind when I saw it, they played 31 games last season which means in total they had 155 players. St- like they had 155 starts. Five players start a game, 31 games, do the math. Two, two starts are returning. Two. Sharif, Miss- uh, Sharif Mitchell started twice when Marcus Segarowski was injured. I think it was a hamstring or whatever it was. Two, two starts. They bring two starts back. Two. So when you say, when you say they're losing a lot, they are losing – everything the, the the most recognizable player on their team is the guy that the, the white guy that everybody hated because he had a bad haircut when he was at duke that's the most recognizable guy on their that team. that dude can play though aoc uh yeah he can play o- o'connell can go i uh, sorry to interrupt your rant there but that that kid's a really good player and you want to talk about somebody who fits exactly what mcdermott likes to do fly up and down find spots on the wing knock down shots and when people close out he can finish over top of you you know, it's he's a good player, and the fact that they play so fast, I love watching their offense play. The fact that they play so fast is right in his wheelhouse. I'm a big AOC fan. 
Yeah, yeah I so think, I, I think they'll get there. To, to, Fanta, I agree with you. I think they'll get there, but I think it's going to be one of those things where it's like they they take some lumps in November and December, and then sure. once the Big East comes around, they'll start. They'll start so, winning. so I, I partially agree with that. If you look at their schedule, it ain't that hard. Like their schedule's not that bad. They're going down to the Paradise Jam. It's it's not the battle for Atlantis. It's not the Maui. Like he does a good job of kind of making his schedule fit who they are. Like one of their tougher games is I think home to Nebraska. You know that that's that's a game that Creighton can win. So like their their schedule's really not that challenging. At least when when I've looked at it a couple of times, I, I see a manageable. They have Arizona State at home. That's like, that's a, for a freshman team, that's who you want. You want to schedule reasonable power conference teams. You don't want to, you don't want to schedule a top 15 RPI team or a top 15 net team that that could end up being just a loss and you don't gain anything from it. So they, so for Creighton, their best defense is going to be their offense this year, because I think they've got talented players, but I don't think they're going to be able to defend a whole hell of a lot. I think they'll just have to score. The other thing is, you know, Mike Anderson knows that his third year at St. John's, he's got to put it together. And his biggest thing yesterday was it wasn't about what we lost. It's about who stayed. Our best two players stayed, Champagny and Alexander. Julian Champagny, Pasch Alexander are the Big East best duo in my mind. I think you've got Champagny, a vital scorer. Alexander, a great defender. So for St. John's, they realized the expectations. And, and Mike Anderson didn't mince words. He's like, look, we had to go addition by subtraction a little bit. You got to go in the portal. You got to go in the portal and get it done. So that was two. And then the third thing is, Rob Doster, you brought up this point, and I give you a ton of credit for the question. I asked Jay Wright, so Jay, you don't have any NBA draft-ready talent on this team. So what does that mean for this particular Villanova team? And Jay Wright mentioned names that people do not know nationally, but that people are going to start to learn. Jay said, look, when you don't have a surefire NBA talent, you better have some depth. And he goes, we are going to have to be deeper by principle, by default this year. We need Trey Patterson, uh, who's kind of a pseudo-freshman to contribute. We need Jordan Longino, a big-time recruit, to contribute in our backcourt. We need Eric Dixon, a redshirt sophomore, to contribute in our frontcourt. Like, Jay Wright had a different tone of, hey, my team can't go six or seven deep like my great teams because I don't have three outstanding players. I've got to find a way to open up our rotation a little bit and see what I have. So we're going to get into Villanova in a second because we are about to talk about the the release of the the, the AP Top 25 and Ken Palm's ratings. But before we do, I want to tell you guys a little bit about our partners over at Bet Rivers Sportsbook. If you haven't signed up with Bet Rivers yet, now is the time because they are offering a $250 match bonus for your first deposit. But what sets them apart is that they require just one playthrough to turn your bonus into cash money. With their new Rush Pay instant approval, withdrawing your winnings is safer. It's more secure, and it's more reliable. And with basketball season tipping off right now, get in on the action by going to BetRivers.com today or by downloading the BetRivers iOS app. You must be 21 years or older. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, let's get into that AP Top 25. Fellas, it came out this week, and shocking nobody is Gonzaga sitting there at number one, uh, they're not the unanimous number one. They got 55 of the 63 available first place votes. UCLA comes in at number two. Kansas is sitting pretty at number three with Villanova at number four. Texas at number five. And then Michigan, Purdue, Baylor, Duke, and Kentucky rounding out the top 10. What are the biggest surprises? What are the biggest takeaways? What do you think about this preseason poll? T.O., let's start with you. 
Uh, Duke at nine being the highest, highest rated ACC team when the ACC is projected to have eight or nine teams in, I think is it's very telling, maybe not of the AP, but of the selection committee. I, I think that's going to be big. Uh, you know, Kansas and Texas, I feel like if Chris Beard doesn't take in 10 transfers, it, it, the transfers, I think that's one of the higher teams that took so many. Texas, you know, Kansas took some with Remy Martin. Obviously, he's going to be significant. But um, top two teams, they're keeping most of their guys. I think that's one of the big things. And, I, and I'm shocked that Virginia Tech isn't in the top 25. Those who are really doing their homework and looking at this team and how they guard and how they shoot the ball. And Mike Young is their coach. They put Virginia in there and it's the same every season. I mean, who are we fooling? It's the same every season. The same teams are going to go, uh, especially in these preseason polls. They're just going to get the most votes, but you know, Virginia tech probably should have gotten a nod at least been, I, you know, I think that's a top 20 team in the country. And I know that I'm a little biased being an ACC guy, but well, I'm hey, look, you, I'll tell you Tech's this going to beat a lot of the guys. Every time we do a pod, you talk about how good this Virginia Tech team is. So you're nothing if not consistent with this take. And That's I, you right. know, I don't, I don't necessarily disagree. I mean, Kevin Aluma is awesome. You know, you if you're listening to this podcast, you know how I feel about Mike Young as a basketball coach. So uh, I'm not. I don't necessarily disagree. I, I have other teams that I are not, a bit well, more well, Go ahead, Fanta. Well, hold on a second. Okay, so the preseason, <laughs> the preseason poll is a crock of shit. I mean, I, <laughs> <laughs> there it is. There it is. I wasn't going to say it, but I was going to let you I'm do it. I'm sorry. I don't think it, I don't think there's any value to it really. I, I think it's great for your program. I think it's great for your program. I think it's great for your brand. It's no disrespect to the associated press. I'm, I'm happy they put the poll together. I don't, I want to make that clear, but do not tell me, do not tell me that the voter in Oregon knows what's going on at St. Bonaventure. They don't have a clue. And that's not their fault. It's just a flawed system. Virginia's in there because they're Virginia. And they have a a national championship. And Virginia Tech's not in there because Virginia Tech doesn't ring off the tongue the way that Virginia does. Um, So, like, I just don't think that, that the poll, I think the poll is great to look at and it's fun fodder. But Duke and Kentucky are always going to be in the top 10. Do I think that Duke and Kentucky today, right now, in the moment, are they top 10 teams in college basketball? No, I don't. I honestly don't think that. In the country, I don't think that today. Could change, but I don't think that. I think Kentucky has a good, a better chance than Duke. The other thing is Memphis. Do I believe that Memphis is a top 12 team in college basketball? I'm selling that today. Uh, what am I happy for? I'm happy that St. Bonaventure got recognized. St. Bonaventure hasn't been a ranked team in 50 years. Mark Schmidt welcomes back everybody. We're going to do a season preview podcast with them later this week. I'm so happy that the Bonnies got ranked. They certainly deserve it. But Virginia Tech deserved to get ranked. And it's your classic case of some of the big names that are right near the top of the country every year are back there again because we all expect them to be there. But yeah, am I asking questions about about Duke? Um, I have some questions about about if they like. I think the ACC is loaded. I need to see Duke play to determine if they are the best team in the Atlantic Coast Conference. If they weren't named Duke, would they be the best team in the ACC in the preseason? I'm not so sure about that. Uh, I 
think that they would. I, I'm I'm in on Duke though. Like I, I'm I, I'm in on them figuring it. I just I think Jeremy Hill back for another year. You get some of these sophomores. I think Paolo Bancaro is is unbelievable. But I want to I want to circle back to a point that you made. You said the the beat writer in Oregon is he paying attention to everything? I had a vote in the AP poll for two years. Um, I had it in the 2019 2020 season. I was a voter in the AP poll. Uh, I was laid off by NBC five months after that when I launched the field of 68. And I was told by the AP that I can no longer have an AP vote because they can't assure that I'm going to be paying attention to like whatever it is. They just don't, if you're, you have to be with like some of these registered news organizations or whatever it is. So I lost my AP vote because I was not working for NBC sports. Now I don't want to toot my own horn, but I promise you, I pay a lot more attention to who the best teams in college basketball are than the guys who are beat writers for specific programs um, that are not going to be tasked with covering the sport nationally. And that's not a knock on these guys because they're good at what they do. They're good at their jobs, but their job is not to cover the sport nationally. It's to cover the team that they cover and to cover the league that that team is in. So you're asking, it's a little bit like me having to do the an AP poll for football, right? Like I don't, I pay attention to it. I watch it. I'm aware of what's going on, but I, I don't cover the sport nationally, right? Mm-hmm. So that was that was striking to me. And then this was striking as well. Do you know who got my AP vote when I lost my AP vote? You know who they added? Oh, no. Jeff Borzello. Oh, oh okay. Wait, why was wasn't he already on it? Jeff Borzello was not an AP voter until I lost possible? my AP vote. So um, to answer your question. Oh, gee, that, that sums up the system right there. No offense, but come on. Yeah, for the most part, like, I think a lot of these guys do their job and they do it well. And I think at the end of the day, the consensus ends up being pretty close to what it should be. Like, you're going to find issues where it's like, yeah, you know, I think Memphis probably should have been 15th instead of 12th. Or, you know, I think that Texas, you know, they're probably the second best team. I don't think that they should have been ranked fifth. That was a miss. Or maybe Villanova's to whatever it is. You're going to find quibbles all the time because nothing's going to ever be perfect. But I do think the consensus ends up being uh, pretty close to accurate. And a lot of like, look, I'm going to give a shout out to Jesse Newell. That, that, that dude, at, uh, he is I can't. He covers Kansas for, I believe, I'm not going to say where it is because I, I I will mess it up and I don't want to say the wrong outlet. But he's great at what he does. He pays attention nationally. He does it from a data-driven angle. And um, there's a lot of guys that take it very, very seriously, but it's not every single one. So it's it's to your point, yes, I just that's a little bit of how the, uh, the sausage is made in the AP poll. T.O., let me ask you this. Um, you love Virginia Tech, right? The team that I think kind of, I don't want to say they got screwed, but they're they're – they're going to make the AP voters look uh, look the worst for not having them in the preseason top 25 is Arizona. I I love this team. I, I love Benedict Mathurin. I, I think that they have uh, the kind of roster that makes sense for a guy like Tommy Lloyd. They have guys that can make shots. I'm hearing great things about Dallin Terry. Um, Omar tell Bullard. me I'm wrong and, and, and tell me that, that Arizona shouldn't have been in the top 25. Am I losing my mind here with this? No, I like Arizona. I think they have a lot of pieces, and I think he's going to do some things differently than the way they did it in Gonzaga. And he's going to be able to put push them, piece them together a little bit better. Excuse me. Uh, Omar Balu, I think that's how you pronounce it. 
I mean, you want to talk about a beast who is going to flourish in a bigger, stronger conference when they don't have to play St. Mary's who plays small and they like, he is going to be so much better in the PAC 12 than he was in whatever the hell conference they play in, in Gonzaga. It's going to be, I think there's going to be a big difference And Pele Larson, man, with all that NBA talent that's on that roster. And there is NBA talent on that Arizona roster. Absolutely. I think he's going to be kind of the perfect puzzle piece get them where they're supposed to be, knock down shots, space the floor, and just kind of play his role. They've got role players. They've got guys that can be stars. I think Arizona's really good. Uh, another one to, that I was sitting here you know, looking off, at it. Off Arizona. Right. I, Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I, have a, I have a personal problem with uh, Umar Below. Um, I think he's a great player. But in 2019, when Gonzaga played at St. Mary's, Gonzaga was favored by – 15 points. Did he blow the spread? It was the final possession. Gonzaga oh. by 14. Omar Balou had a wide open dunk. He's a seven-footer with a seven-foot whatever wingspan. He should never, ever miss dunks. He hit wide open dunk, threw it off the back of the rim, and it goes to half court. And I lost the bet. So I have a personal problem with Omar Balou. He may be – I think he's going to be a great player. I think he's going to be very good for Tommy Lloyd. Uh, at at Arizona, I think that the system that that Gonzaga has played has been built around post players that can run and get position and score in the back to yeah. the basket in the paint. He's the perfect example of that. I'll never forgive him for the fact that he lost me that cover, and I'm never <laughs> never going to forget it. I'm never going to forget it, and it was proof because good teams win, but great teams cover. And I think that seeing what happened with Gonzaga in the national title game against Baylor proves to us that they were a good team, but they weren't a great team, and we should have known in that moment. When I didn't get my cover. Anyway, T.O., go ahead. I'm off my soapbox. I mean, you look at the, some of the teams that got votes. I mean, gosh, it's going to be a good year. And Fanta's harped on it and harped on it. It's going to be a good year. Virginia Tech, I think they ended up 30th in voting. Uh, St. John's got Mississippi State. Sit like There's so many teams this year that could make legitimate runs into the top 15 or 20. Yes. That it's going to be a consistent circus because if you lose two in a row you'll drop 10 spots 15 <laughs> spots like it's going to be I, I think the parody in this year's version of college basketball is going to be big time and I think you can also make the argument for a lot of the teams in that like six to 12 range I, yeah. I can make a pretty solid argument for any one of those teams to be a top five team I think that there's a I, Purdue. Has to be preseason number one you all right over there T.O. <laughs> Purdue <clears throat> what I love Purdue, man. I number what would they have them? They had them number seven. Seven guys, Travion Williams, Javen I uh Jaden Ivy. A name that nobody's talking about. What is it? Brandon Newman? Yeah, I, I just we talked about this fan. on um when when I think we did the, the Big Ten preview pod. Or no, when we I think we, when did we talk about it? We talked about it on this show at some point, but uh, I, where I talk about each one of these teams, all everything just kind of blends together at this point. But I'm worried about their shooting. Do they have? Right, yeah. Do they have enough shooting? Um, I think it's the same thing as like what Jaden Jaden Ivey is going to end up being for, as a pro, right? Like, does that jump shot come around? I think for Purdue to be a team as good as their ranking is going to have to be that jump shot's going to have to come around. Fanta, uh, who who is um, you got anyone that's that's been kind of overrated underrated do you have any major qualms with a a specific team in this poll because the only one i have is probably villanova but we don't have to i mean i made that point last week i don't need to beat that dead horse right right so 
Okay, I, I think that Memphis is a little bit overrated as a result of all the buzz, and I think that the voters look at all the buzz um, with Duran and Bates and that staff and everything that, that surrounds them. Uh, but just so many new pieces, so many new pieces to be ranked, ranked 12th in the preseason, so many moving pieces and parts. We've talked about that before on this podcast. I think Illinois is a little underrated. I think that they that I would argue I would have put them in the top 10. I would have bumped a Duke or Kentucky out of the top 10 and put Illinois in there. I think Illinois would beat either one of those teams. All right, talk, talk, tell me why. Tell me why. Well, I think that Illinois has the best post presence in America. I think Kofi Cokeburn is an All-American and will be the best anchor in any front court. I think Andre Curbelo could be the most improved guard in America. So Andre Curbelo is the main reason why. Uh, Because this is someone who, when he played over 25 minutes a game, like when he was getting that work rate, even 30 minutes per game, we're talking about not three or four assists per game. We're talking six or seven. And he is a big-time shot maker in Trent Frazier who made plenty of big ones when Illinois needed it last season. To me, this is nothing against Io DeSumo at all. Illinois' offense moved better at times when DeSumo was not on the floor because of the fact that when you have DeSumo on the floor, you have to gear so much around him, and I wouldn't trade that, but I do think that this team is going to be okay in the post-Io era because they have so much quality talent. Brad Under was a great offensive mind. I, I, I like this Illinois team quite a bit. I think they were a little bit underrated at 11 because to me I think it's up for grabs like do I really believe that Michigan and Purdue are that much better than Illinois no I think it's a it's a three-horse race in that big 10 so I would have had all three of them in my top 10 Uh, I'm super fascinated guys we've talked at length about Purdue T.O. you've talked about how much you like them they were they were ranked seventh I do think that that's fair Uh, however I think that Purdue or Michigan might be trending more towards a three or four than a Villanova picked for just because of what, what the talent is. So for me, I thought Illinois was a little bit uh, underrated. I think Ohio State might have been a tad overrated uh, just because of the fact that they lost some major talent, Dwayne Washington being uh, the main guy there. And I'm a little curious to see what the Buckeyes look like offensively. Yeah, I, I agree with a lot of that. I, I would, if this was my poll, I would have Texas ranked over Kansas. Great. Uh, I would probably go with UCLA as the preseason number one team. I just I love that three man wing trio of Juzang, Jaime Jaquez, and Peyton Watson. And I think that we're gonna get we're gonna touch on this in a minute because we have a, a question about this coming up. But I think that Miles Johnson is going to be the single most impactful uh, big man transfer in college basketball season because of what he can bring the team. Actually, so you know what? Let's 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 get right into that because uh, we did ask for questions. Um, and Tristan, can I throw Freeman, one more my guy, can I throw one more in? Yeah, go ahead. Can I throw one more in? I want to. I want to stay in the Big Ten. I think Maryland before the season's over. I think last year they they struggled with consistency and all that. I, I think the additions of Fats Russell and Kudus Wahab, like that team, is going to be very, very good. Doster, I don't need your negativity. I don't need your negativity right now. That will be a top twelve team at some point during the season. You wait and watch. They have change of pace. They have shooting. They have defense. And now they have rim protection. Watch for Maryland to jump in that top 12 at some point in the season. Maryland fight song. There you <laughs> There it is. <laughs> for SVP, baby. For Scott Van Pelt. 
Okay. We, get we are point. all in on Turgeon, baby. Uh, don't don't say we. Don't 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 lump me in here. Two thirds of this podcast. I need two thirds of this podcast. Are it, all let's, in okay, let's put it. Let's let's make a wager on this right now. We need some kind of wager on this. All right. And I'm only saying I say a lot of this because I just break Maryland's hearts all the time. Let me bring oh. this. Go ahead. Go Please, ahead. No, let's 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 put some kind of wager on this. All right. Well, so we you're got. saying that they're going to be ranked in the top twelve at some point this season. You want yeah. to put a number on the wins? Like what? How can we make this bet? How can we make this? Right, bet? Wait, 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 wait. Okay, so if 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 they don't fin- if they don't get into the top twelve in the country, can we do thirteen? Can we? Do- if they don't get in the top thirteen of the country, To and I have to spend twenty four hours in a Waffle House. No, they- no, God, <laughs> this escalated so quickly. <laughs> this went so nuts. Hey, Fanta, he's from the. I South, have kids, man. Fanta. I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then I'll do it. I'll do it for you. Oh no, 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 no! At the final four, at the final four, okay? Yeah. At the final four, yeah. Um, this, this, I think this is what we'll do. At the final four, if Maryland, do, do you want to say finish top five in the Big Ten or finish or ranked in the top twelve in the country at some point? Oh, we want the top twelve, TL. TL, we want the TL. Yeah. We want those voters. We want. So those if voters. if Maryland does, if Maryland is not ranked in the top twelve at any point this season, on one of the shows that we do at the Final Four, which we haven't even announced yet, but one of the shows we do at the Final Four, you guys get to select the outfit that I wear for that show. And if I win, I get to select the outfit that you guys wear on that show. Oh my god! I have no shame. That's fine with me. Yeah, it's fine. I've worn some ridiculous. We do something stuff. better. No, as long as I'm clothed. one of these podcasts before so that that that's a that's a legitimate consideration for him all right let's get into this uh into these questions we're we're locking that in listeners better know we're locking that one okay Um, all right i'm in for that that's great so this comes from my man tristan freeman over at busting brackets we've heard about the kadari richmonds and the dawson garcias of the world all off season but who are some hidden gem transfer pickups that no one is talking about that could have a big impact on this upcoming season I'm going with Miles Johnson because the biggest issue that that UCLA had all of last year was they didn't really have room protection and they didn't really have that defensive presence at the five. Miles Johnson is that. He's a seven-footer. He's tough. He's physical. He spent all of the last two years battling in the Big Ten against the likes of Hunter Dickinson and Kofi Coburn and Trace Jackson Davis, and he's going to provide that interior physical presence on a team that already has three terrific defensive wings in Juzang, Haquez, and Peyton Watson to really give you a, a throwback, prototypical Mick Cronin team. You got the best wings in the country, the best wing trio, and now you have the anchor at the five that is going to take that team from being really, really good to, in my mind, the best team in college basketball this season. T.O., give me a transfer. I got two for you. Obviously, Florida State's got Caleb Mills. That guy is very good. He is going to be a go-to scorer for the Knowles, and they've tried they we, we said this on the all acc podcast they've tried to make mj walker that guy for the past three or four years and he just from an efficiency standpoint couldn't do it he can be that guy for the Knowles. and then i'm going to go over to arkansas and chris likes for miami he got a lot of pub whenever he decided to leave but the pit transfer adise tony that is a rugged dude you want to talk about somebody who's big and physical and fits exactly what muscleman likes on the wing adise tony is excellent texas Last one, Marcus Carr got the pub. Dylan Dysu of Vanderbilt. I thought that young man is very talented. He's a stretch four. He's big. He's strong. He's going to be able to hold his uh, position in the post. That guy's uh, – Texas is – there's so many. 
there's so many at Texas and you kind of look at who fits Chris Beard. That guy fits Chris Beard. So there's three. Yep. Caleb Mills. I love that one. That was, I have three written down. Caleb Mills was one of the three that I have written down with Miles Johnson. Fanta, give me your transfers. Yeah. So I'll start with Oregon. I think that Dana Altman's offense allows you to play freely. And I really love the opportunities that this opens up for Davion Harmon, who transfers from Oklahoma. Harmon had four performances last year where he went off. He had over 22 points. I think that uh, you talk to people around Oregon and, uh, and even former coaching staff members, they say Dana caters to his guards extremely well. You're able to do what you want. Harmon is that type of player. And if he's in the right frame of mind, watch out. Kid is talented. He's very mature. Um, and he's fun. He's very explosive in the way he plays. You know, you, you talk about Texas. I'll go with Christian Bishop, who I watched at Creighton, real 10 rebounds a game in the NCAA tournament in three games. He's a stretch five. He kind of fits the way Chris Beard plays really well. And that was a big blow to Creighton because I think Bishop was going to be one of their best players this season. Now he'll be a good complimentary piece. He'll help Texas in areas because you could play him. He's a great mobile big. And the biggest thing is, can you mobilize your big men? Uh, And I think that Christian Bishop is going to add that to Texas. Uh, And then I'm going to go off the map a a, a little bit uh, because I think that the team that you're looking at most with new faces, I couldn't believe that this number, because I think there's real expectations for them again. Can you guys believe Florida has nine New players. Yep. I mean, Mike Mike White's team, I just want to watch them play so I can figure out exactly how good that they could be. I, I totally think that, that Florida can be a factor, but I think that they're the team that, that you go into this season and you say, hey, they had to really remanage and, and look at how they're going to go about things in the, the Keontae Johnson situation. What will Florida be this year uh, is a big question that I'm asking in my head, and I think the transfer portal has a lot to do with it. Yeah, there's, there's a couple more that I do want to mention. James Akinjo, I have him as a preseason first-team All-American. I think that his impact uh, for Baylor this season is going to be enormous. Um, it's just getting him in that culture. He needs that. Getting him in that offense, I think, is perfect. Walker Kessler at Auburn. Uh, you know, everyone's talking about Jabari Smith and the impact he's going to have, and he's going to be awesome. But Walker Kessler is going to give them an anchor that can also step out, stretch the floor. He was really good for stretches uh, last season. Um, and the last guy that I want to mention, who uh, uh, Tyson Walker, Tyson Walker at Michigan State, their point guard. They haven't had a guy that can do the stuff that that uh, that Cassius Winston was able to do since Cassius was there. And Tyson Walker is not Cassius Winston, but he is a ball screen pat for, pass first, set the table kind of point guard. And that is the one thing that they were missing last season at Michigan State. You got anyone else, T.O.? Uh, Rocket Watts transfer from Michigan State down to Mississippi State. He's going to be able to push the pace if he's healthy. And then going back to Oregon, uh, Big Ten guy, Jacob Young, beside yes, Devion Harmon. That's going to be an interesting dynamic because Young was an explosive scorer at Rutgers, but he's a little nuts. Like, I don't know how to say that any differently. Like, he's he's he, he plays a little out of control. I don't – like, he he's kind of a rim attack guy who shoots it okay. It spurts. Like, I think you said – Altman like fits guards around or fits to his guards. It's going to be interesting to see because Harmon is really, I'm not saying young is not smart, but, but Harmon takes advantage of angles and he takes advantage of some of those things. Young's not like that. Young is going to get a defensive rebound 
and roadrunner his way all the way down to the basket. I think that's going to be interesting to see how that works. And then the Syracuse transfer. Oh, gosh. Quincy Garrier. Quincy Garrier. Man, he was really good when he got opportunities to play in one-on-one situations. Oregon has a ton of really good transfers. All right. Hey, last- hey, briefly, you, you brought up Rutgers. They lose all these guys. They also brought in an LSU transfer that I don't think like anybody really reacted much to. Andre Hyatt. He had a double-double in the NCAA tournament last March. Good player. Like they lost Johnson. They're going to need – Rutgers need some guys to fill some holes here from what mm-hmm. they lost. And the, the expectation still in New Jersey is Rutgers will be a tournament team. Andre Hyatt's a, an under-the-radar guy to just keep a little bit of an eye on. All right, last question. We got about two minutes before we got to get out of here. Is there's always a team from outside the establishment that shakes things up? Last year it was Houston. The year before that it was Dayton and San Diego State. To thirty seconds. Who is your oh. team from outside the Power Six conferences that's going to make some noise? And I'm going to say that you can't say Memphis and you can't say Houston because they've already uh, reached that pinnacle. Give me Belmont. Casey Alexander's terrific. They always have shooting. They're always big enough to compete with the Power Five teams. And they shoot the ball so stinking well. Give me Belmont. Fanta, who you got? Hey, first time in the Mountain West preseason favorite. Give me Colorado State, baby. I'm going to ride with the Rams. Uh, I think that this is their year. I think they've got the experience back. I see they've got the majority of their roster back from a year ago. So give me Colorado State and Mountain West after dark. The fighting Nico Medveds. Here's mine. I'm throwing it back to you, Fanta. I'm giving the hat tip to you from what you said earlier on in this podcast. It's the St. Bonaventure Bonnie. Are they St. Bonaventure Bonnies? Is that how we're we're going? Oh, yeah, they are only in New York, baby. Went on a college visit there. Mark Schmidt is one of the most underrated coaches in the country. They have size. They have experience. They have guard play. And I think that the Atlantic 10 is going to allow them to make a little bit of a run. But anyway, this was fun. Thanks for being here, guys. This is the Doster T.O. and Fanta podcast. If you are still listening, make sure you subscribe. Rate and review anywhere that you listen to your podcast. Gentlemen, Fanta, T.O., it's been fun, guys. 